Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Unfortunately, I'm having a heart attack and need to be taken to the ER. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Oh, Jesus, no. No. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I will also say in my own defense, although no one's attacking me except for myself. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. Everything is like so intense, man. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And today we are talking about youth sports, if you must. If you must. And we have quite the opposing view on this. Amy must and I must not. Oh, I'm not going to say that one must play them. I would say it's pretty hard to avoid playing them. Well, you just represent sporty and my family represents like opting out basically. On the continuum though, I think like you're at the like, what are sports? And I'm somewhere in the healthy middle. I mean, I know people who are so much more bonkers sports than we are. Yeah. I mean, your kids just participate in sports. My kids right now are on a full opt out from sports, which may not last, but I'm loving it. I'm soaking in it, Amy. You're pretty unusual in that way. (laughs) Yeah, I'm three for three and none of my kids participate in sports at present. So I have all three of my kids played soccer when they were, my kids are only 10, eight and seven. And so, I mean, when they were little, like when they were kindergartners, they all played soccer, first grade, they all played soccer. But I just was basically like tearing them from their beds at 7.30 in the morning on Saturday mornings to go out and stand around in a field and be miserable. And I I just stopped doing it. Yeah. We kind of went the full, I mean, I had a kid playing baseball with pitching lessons and double headers that started at 8 a.m. And people, if you're listening to this and you've got like a two-year-old, just, uh, I'm going to say avoid baseball. I mean, it's character building, but it's the worst in terms of time commitment because baseball games are like three hours long. And if they're any good, they'll play double headers. And I mean, you are committing seven hours outdoors on a Saturday, no matter what the weather is. And just remember that like you think baseball is like summer fun. Baseball starts in March, you know, like it's 33 degrees and freezing. Yes. If your kid, and we're going to talk about this today too, that if your kid is going to be any good at baseball, they have to only play baseball and they have to play year round. And right, there is no break. But baseball requires a special level of bunkers commitment from the kid and the parent. And in our case, 
my kids stopped playing and I was, you know, not so unhappy about that <laughs> because of the amount of uh, commitment required as a parent. But like, it ain't the sports that it was when we were growing up, right? Well, and I make this point often and I will make it again. I played my first sport ever that wasn't like throwing a Frisbee in the backyard or like kind of like making up some sort of baseball game with the neighbors. When I was in ninth grade, I joined the volleyball team at my high school. That was the first organized sport I ever played in my entire life. And were you good? I was horrible, horrible. But I played on the team. I made the varsity eventually. Like, I mean, I went to an all-girls Catholic high school that was not known for its sportiness. I think they were good at field hockey, which is like sort of a classic Catholic girls school sport, but the volleyball team wasn't great and I could hit the ball back over the net occasionally. And so I was awesome. I never played organized sports at all. I mean, I grew up in a time, I think it's kind of still like this, but I grew up in the time of like Missy League baseball and powder puff football. Like all the girl sports had to have cute, you know, minimizing nicknames that they weren't real sports. They were cute girl versions of the boy sports. And it was very easy to opt out. And I just didn't want to do it. And nobody made me do it. Right. Nobody did it. Now, I mean, in our town, at least, like every girl plays some sort of sport. And my kids are just not that sporty. And I will say I have opted out of sports. And I don't want to sound like I opted out. Of, I kind of have nightmares about it. Like I still wake up in a cold sweat at like three o'clock in the morning feeling like everyone in my town is doing this thing that I am not doing. And somehow my kids are suffering. But it's not worth it to me to get out of bed. I think their character building, I think as an adult who never played sports, that it's good to play a sport. Like my daughter does not play a sport right now. Both of my sons do. My daughter does not. My husband, who did play team sports growing up, was pretty focused that all of our kids, we kind of, he's a sporty guy. I'm a creative person. So we kind of came to an agreement that we would help all our kids find a creative pursuit and an athletic pursuit. And at least in my family, it's kind of broken down now on gender lines that like our sons play sports and our daughter does, you know, ballet and the school play. There are more complicated reasons for that. She was playing in the softball and the t-ball and she dropped it, like I said, for a lot of reasons. But well, here's the thing. Her school, this I really like, her school in sixth grade, they have a sixth grade boys basketball team and girls basketball team and the whole class must play on the team and every kid plays in every game. I mean, it is a very gentle league. So you can imagine the range of ability of basketball among these sixth graders. Some kids are pretty good. Some kids like don't know what they're doing at all. And they're out there like laughing and waving to their mom. And every kid plays in every game. So they all have the experience. And the coaches keep it very, oh, ha ha, let's all have some fun. And I think that's great that she's going to have this positive team sports experience because it would be the only chance she'll ever have to do something that's that, you know, gentle and welcoming. I will also say in my own defense, although no one's attacking me except for myself, that my kids, there's a ninja gym that opened in town, which is like the new thing, like American Ninja Warrior, like running up the big wall and whatever, doing rings and stuff. So my kids go to the ninja gym once a week. So they have some exercise and we do mandate time and motion. Like my oldest has started enjoying walking, like taking a walk. Like He's like, it clears my mind. He's like an old man. And he goes for like a constitutional walk on Sundays. Like 
we have a focus on physical activity and exercise. And so it's not like we gave up sports and they filled that time with iPads. That was very important to me that they not do that. And so I don't mean like give up sports and let that time become like playing Minecraft. So you got to keep an eye on like, they've got to be physical and active, but I just don't think that has to be dragging them out of bed at 8am and like making them go play soccer. What's hard is if your kids are going to play sports at all in our day, it's hard to find an option that's not like that. Like, I guess that's what I was saying. Like, I'm so happy my school makes the kids all play sixth grade basketball. So everybody gets the team sport and it's not the travel team. And we have to get up at five o'clock in the morning because it's harder and harder to find that. Right. And like my kids have taken two years off and now they're like behind the curve. And now forget it. Right. They can't restart. And I live in, you know, an area where youth sports are a big deal. And I mean, I think this tends to be true in a lot of different places, but maybe some places not so much. But a lot of the people who we know play very high level youth sports. And I remember we were walking through town one day in like the neighboring town, which is like a little bit of a wealthier town. And we walked by this little league field and my kids were in a baseball at the time. So I was like, oh, let's stop and watch the kids play baseball. And I turned to someone like, oh, how old are these kids? Like, oh, they seem like professional baseball players. And they were like, oh, this is the eight-year-old league. Like they were catching fly balls and throwing them to home plate. My kids were basically just like, how will they ever play sports again? Like right. these kids are basically like Nolan Ryan, Goldilocks alert. Back in my day. That's right. And my kids are like puppies. Like there's no comparison between their athletic ability and the ability of the kids playing like rec center sports. Well, it actually does depend on where you live, that this is like, it's a suburban thing, that there's this concentration on sports much more so than in urban areas or rural areas. I mean, I'd already sensed this to be the case. Like my friends who live, we live right in the middle of New York City, and you would think that it's a very intense place to raise kids. And it is, except in the sports way. The sports way, I mean, my kids play on teams. We're not like mortgaging our home to send them to lacrosse camp. But my friends who live very close to New York City are very much in that zone. So suburban culture, ESPN magazine did an article about this. And then like suburban culture revolves around kids practices and tournaments and all that kind of thing in a sports focused way that isn't as true in big cities or rural areas. And statistics back that up. That's interesting. I definitely sense it where we are. Like when I get together with a group of moms, there's a lot of talk about sports, <laughs> like what sports people are doing. Although sometimes the girls are a little bit more like they're doing dance, but even dance is like, it's dance competitions. Like they're not just taking a dance class. Right. Everything is like so intense, man. Just chill out, dudes. Let me lay a statistic on you about the suburban versus. Please do. They looked at like boys and girls participating in sports, you know, based on where they live. Half, 51% of suburban boys in third to fifth grade, which is right in the zone where your oldest is, right? 51% play on three or more teams. Three teams or more. Per year. Yeah, because every season has a sport. Yes. Right. And on the other end of that, only 11% of urban girls play on three or more sports. So this is a very, it's suburban more than urban. It's boys more than girls, which... I mean, my girl's opting out of sports because it's just not her thing, but I do think it is still a boy's world. Many more boys will say that sports is a big part of who they are than girls. Like a third of girls say sports is a big part of their character. Two thirds of boys say the same thing. Right. And I think that what that statistic gets to is like the pressure factor too. Like 
I think that we've kind of opted out because it's like, I don't want to do soccer in the fall, basketball in the winter, and then soccer and baseball in the spring. Like that is appalling to me. I don't want to do it. And I feel like I've just kind of fallen into this thing of like, we're not a sports family because I don't want to engage with it. But, and I will say my husband is an engineer and he grew up playing very competitive tennis. So he's a sporty guy in his own way, but like he was never like a team dude. And I think team dude is a whole thing. Like my father-in-law was a team dude, football guy. And I think that like, he's oriented towards like sports, you know, like that thing of like your formative crucible experiences are on sports teams kind of orients you in that way. And neither my husband and I have that inherent orientation of like team dude. I remember all my best friends are from my team dude days. And now I want my kids to play on teams. And my husband, he played in football, high school football, which of course is decreasing the number of kids that are playing football. That's ultimate team dude. Yeah. And he thinks the team sports experience is a very important part of character building. And I did not play in a team sport. I was on the speech and debate team. and I had a team experience of like, let's all contribute points. So we win this tournament, you know, all for one and one for all that sort of experience and rah-rah my school. It's more important to him than it is to me because he had it and he loved it. I do think it's a problem that I don't at all disagree that like you can and should opt out of sports if it doesn't work for your family. I do think it's a problem that then if you have a 12-year-old, it's like, gee, I'd love to try volleyball, but too late. I can't start now. That that's a shame. That kids are dropping out of sports as they get older. 70% quit a sport or all sports by age 13. And the reason they say is because it's too intense. They're burnt out. Yeah. Amy, I have a rebuttal, and I'm going to give you that rebuttal when we return. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while 
still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, we're back. Are you ready for my rebuttal? Sure. So I think that thing of this is a path that you get on I'm not even rebutting you because I don't even think you're saying this, but I think a lot of people, and I find this to be like my interior dialogue on this, is like, this is a path that has a set of stones that you walk along. And like my kids got off the path for two years and now like there's no going back on the path. Sports is dead to us is probably not correct. Like in high school, in other realms of their life. I think that people are still joining teams without having played that sport for like six and seven and eight years. I don't know. Not in high school. I mean, like for fun outside of school, maybe in a college. Yeah, because we are 100% off the path of like my kids are like playing on super competitive teams and getting sports scholarships to college. Like that's not interesting to me and that's not going to be part of our lives. Okay. But being able to join high school and later teams, intramural teams, you know, teams that are not like the elite travel teams, that's still happening. And my kids can still do that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's my kids are at that age now. It is. It depends on the high school. It depends on the size of things. It's hard for kids. I have an eighth grader right now. The kids are looking out at high schools. Kids are picking high schools based on whether or not they're going to be able to play a sport at that school. Because if you pick a school that's too big, you'll never make the team if you haven't already been going to like camp every summer. I mean, we are living in a world where, let me give you a quote here. There's a professor named Mark Hyman that looks at sports management and he's like, the system that we've created doesn't value participation in kids anymore. It values excellence. Right. And so the funnel gets more and more and more narrow. So like, okay, my oldest kid, he's a high school sophomore. He played basketball, did not do camps. This is the kid who quit baseball. So he's athletic. So he plays basketball too. He's on the JV team. He, you know, doesn't play a ton. He wants to stop now because although he could make the varsity team, he's not going to start. And he's also not going to like devote his summer to getting better enough at basketball to keep going. And the system, again, values excellence like we got to win, so we're not going to let the kids play and learn something and be on a team. We have to win so he doesn't get to play. And so he's yeah. like, it's not worth it to me anymore. So even though he is good, he's not like amazing, so he's just going to stop. Yeah, it's a shame. It really is a shame. And then it's a question of like, I mean, I think with a lot of these questions, we have to help our kids form the picture of what they want out of any part of their existence. And this is part of it too, that like, your life in basketball may be like playing basketball with your friends on Saturdays at a park. Like you're not going to play competitive basketball. And like, but if it's not working for you, I mean, I think it's completely legit to say like, 
I don't want to play to compete. I want to play for fun. And then you're just not playing organized school sports. The hard part is finding those leagues that are for fun, because as we're moving towards like professionalizing kids sports, everybody wants their kid to get a college scholarship and whatever they're playing. The club sports outside of school, that's where the really intense kids play. Like if my kid was going to play, if we were trying to get him a scholarship for basketball, say, which we're not, yes, he would have to be playing on a team outside of school. It might be so intense, he can't play for the school team. These teams outside of school are like, no, you can't play for the school team. Right. We don't want you to get hurt on the school team. Right. Right. So the very best pitchers or whatever are not even playing for their own teams. They're playing on these club sports outside of school that are super intense. All the best coaches are there. All the best kids are there. And it's taking away from what I think sports should be at this level, which is about like teamwork and and playing with your friends. It's this, you know, you have to get on a plane every weekend to go to your tournament. I don't know. I guess there are things you get out of it. There's character building and you make friends on the team, but it takes the best players outside of stuff. And it also, of course, limits the opportunities. What if you're a family who can't afford to fly to a lacrosse tournament every weekend? Your kid isn't going to play college lacrosse, even if she's good. It's insane. Yeah, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. And that level of it is, I mean, we are talking like a kind of specific, like this is happening all over the country in terms of like kids sports becoming way too competitive. And like, you know, my husband's from Texas and certainly like Texas football has a lot of, you know, this crazy aspect to it too. And like, it's becoming like the level of like coaching and stuff is moving lower and lower and lower. Like where these kids are playing incredibly intense, like they're getting selected out when they're like nine or 10 years old, as opposed to when they're 15 or 16 years old. And so that overall aspect, I mean, I'm fine with opting out guys. We're opter outers. Can I give you a statistic about how much money people can be spending on sports for their kids? Please do. I mean, this is not going to be a surprise, but this is Time Magazine quoted a Utah State University study. They looked at how much money families whose kids play sports are spending on sports. They said between league fees, camps, equipment, training, travel, families are spending as much as 10% of their yearly income on their kids' sports. That's a lot. And that's, I'm like, yep. And I think that's low. It said some families spend $20,000 a year on sports. And I was like, yeah, like easily, easily. This was interesting to me. They tracked what sports sort of the most expensive. Mm -hmm. The families who spend money on sports, the lowest average spend was on basketball. Okay. Which was interesting to me because I mean, like lots of kids play basketball. I, I guess all you need is sneakers and you can show up and play basketball. The most expensive sport in terms of the highest average that your family spends is lacrosse. Yeah. It's kind of self-selecting though, because lacrosse tends to be a really rich person's sport. You know what I mean? So they're spending more money because they're richer in general. Like, I don't even think it's about the equipment you need, but I would have thought like hockey, like there's so much equipment. My niece plays ice hockey. My nine-year-old niece plays ice hockey in Boston. And I do think that's amazing. I mean, I don't want to just hue to the side of sports are terrible for a whole episode because I am so proud of her when I see pictures and video of her and her pads like skinning around looking tough. And I think that's an amazing thing for a girl to have the experience of that so doesn't push my kids buttons or wouldn't have interested me. I don't think as a kid, I wanted to be, you know, an Olympic gymnast, but I think that's great that that's out there for girls. 
Yeah, and I think that we have to push back against a little bit the like studies and cliches around youth sports because it's not that every single person's experience is like, I'd like to, for my kid to play sports, but it comes so elite so fast that there's no outlet for sports at all unless you're going to participate in the insanity. Like there is a middle ground in sports. Like you said, like you're kind of in the middle ground. Like my town has kids who are incredible athletes who work with like high-end coaches and, you know, play at that like elite level and may end up like we live in the suburbs, like going into the city and joining, you know, city teams and whatever else, like becoming those elite athletes. But my kid has at least, I would say, what is he in third grade? Like he's got five or six more years where he could just play on the soccer team and be the bad kid on the soccer team. You know, I mean, there's outlets to keep playing sports. And then even in high school, like they have, you know, varsity teams and rec teams and intramural teams and like everything's sort of tiered, you know, like, and maybe it's just because we're not like an elite sporting town. Yeah, it depends on the size of the high school. I mean, like my kids' high schools don't have intramural and rec stuff because they're, you know, they're not big, but I suppose it depends on the school. But I will say, here's an example of middle ground. I think you have to look a little bit, you know, if you really are a parent who values this sort of like my kid's going to be active. My kid's going to have a team sport experience and you're not going to overthink this. And the minute somebody says pitching coach, we're out of here. The (laughs) (laughs) rotator cuff surgery. Yeah. Something that my son has sort of tripped and fallen into and absolutely loves ultimate Frisbee. I was just going to say ultimate Frisbee is always waiting for you guys. Don't laugh. Ultimate Frisbee. It's an amazing, and in his experience, he goes to sleepaway camp in the summertime and he plays a lot of Frisbee. So he got really good at playing Frisbee. He has found as baseball got too intense, as basketball got too intense, ultimate Frisbee is this kid's love. And the whole team on his high school are athletic kids who love to run around, who are pretty fast, who can jump, but they didn't have the pitching coaches, right? Like they're just like athletic kids that have been shut out of the varsity sports because they didn't start specializing when they were seven years old, but they like sports and they like running around and they find this sport that has room for them because there aren't ultimate Frisbee coaches yet. And the whole sport is like, let's have fun. Let's do this. There's all these, you know, it's a total hippie sport from the seventies and the rules and things around it are still very free to be you and me. And I love that. And so I would say (laughs) if you're looking, if you're looking for a middle path for your older kid, Ultimate Frisbee. I like it. And I do think, although I have opted out right now, like I do think there is something nice about giving your kids in that you can like a core understanding of sports and like a basic skill level in sports so that they can come back to it later on. And we've been lazy about that. And I worry about it a little bit and I'm trying to get back to it a little bit. Like just get, my husband was a great tennis player. Like just take the kids out and just teach them how to like basically hit a ball back and forth across the net because it's a fun recreational thing to be able to do when you're older. And it is really hard to pick it up even at 25, you know, like to even be able to play tennis and like go out with friends and play tennis. I like the idea of giving them a base in it, you know? Yeah. As somebody who does not have that skill, I mean, I started playing tennis as an adult and I'm still terrible, but I'm terrified when somebody says like, let's all like get our baseball gloves and have a friendly softball game. I'm like, oh Jesus, no, no. You're like, unfortunately, I'm having a heart attack and need to be taken to the ER immediately. Right. 
Yeah, my ankle hurts. I can't, you look, I'm still like that. So I do think it's important to have our kids not be terrified when sports are mentioned. Yeah, I definitely was like that girl in college who was like, I'll go out and join the football game. And I'm like, oh, this is just going to involve me getting hit in the face with a football. Like I cannot throw or catch a football to save my life. You were talking about pickleball. Like we were talking in real life about this recently, that pickleball, it's kind of like the ultimate Frisbee thing. Like pickleball is so much easier than tennis. You can learn to play it in 10 minutes and everybody can play. Amy, what's the fastest growing sport in the United States? Is it pickleball? It's pickleball because people want the like recreational socialness of being able to gather around a sport, but you can play pickleball. If you don't know, pickleball is like mini tennis kind of. It's like a cousin of a wiffle ball, right? You're basically hitting a... Yeah, like a heavier, it's heavier than a wiffle ball. Play with paddles. So it's like a cousin of paddle tennis, but it's not even as complicated as that. It's a very simple, fun racket sport. And yeah, like you can be terrible at everything and you can basically play pickleball. You know, my husband and I, I played a little bit of tennis growing up, but my husband was like an incredibly competitive tennis player. And he played like, you know, 11 hours of tennis in like the Texas sun when he was in high school. It's bonkers. So we would occasionally go out and try to play tennis together. And it would basically always end in a huge fight where we wouldn't speak to each other for two days because He's just fundamentally a competitive sports player. And so I remember at one point, like I was probably seven and a half months pregnant and not as good at tennis at all to begin with. And we were just trying to play and he just kept like spiking balls (laughs) at my like pregnant belly. And I was like, are you proud of yourself? Like, really? And it's like, he cannot turn off the part of his brain. He almost cannot adjust his game. Like he can't turn off the part of his brain that like sees a tennis ball and he has like a complete like rat like instinct to like just smash the ball across the net and so we would just get in huge horrendous fights and we have found pickleball and it may save our marriage yeah it's me with my kids in tennis it's an evener you know what i mean like it evens out our skill level it's kind of fun it's kind of like there's only so good you can be at pickleball like it's easy to be correct it's easy to be pretty good and it's i think it's pretty hard to be amazing and so let's all relax Yeah, it's kind of a great like level or sport. And it is fun to play sports. And this is the problem that we're trying to get at. Okay, more after this. After finally getting out of the late night wake up and diaper changing hell of early childhood, are you now finding your Saturday mornings too relaxing? Try youth sports. With youth sports, those relaxing mornings lying around in bed while the kids pour themselves cereal and watch iPads are gone forever. Instead, you'll be up at the sunrise again. Everybody up. It's 6.15. Or maybe even earlier. Honey, where are you going? It's 3 a.m. I just realized Dexter's hot. Hockey jersey for tomorrow is still in the dirty clothes pile. I need to go start the laundry. Youth Sports brings you closer together with your offspring as you get to interact with them starting at the very break of day. Get up. Get up. The game starts in an hour and it's like three counties over. I'm tired. Have you been missing out on chances to commune with nature? With Youth Sports, you'll be outside no matter the weather. Wow. 
It's 33 degrees and sleeting. And they're still not calling this Little League game. How character building. And you'll see parts of your township and even state that you never thought to explore. Jeez, I never even knew this part of Bridgeport existed. Could have guessed there'd be soccer fields all the way over here behind this abandoned power plant. And mom time, you'll get plenty of face-to-face with new friends as you sit for hours together on the sidelines with little chance of escape. You look exhausted. Did I tell you I sell moisturizer? Here, give me your hand. You have to try it. You know, you should join my team in my downline. I also have a side business in Statement Bangles. Have I told you about it? With hours of driving home from far-flung tournaments, you'll get precious bonding time with your kiddo at the end of each day. Mm, tough lot, sweetheart, but you played really well. Mom, do not talk to me. Youth sports, you've been warned. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches, I get cranky, and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to seeing optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use fresh to get $100 off your lumen. That is l-u-m-e-n dot m-e. Lumen.me and use the code fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Do you know about the Aspen Institute? Um, I don't, but I'm sure it's in the mountains of Colorado. I Yeah, I think it's like thinkers and... It sounds very fancy. I'm sure they're very smart people there. Yeah. 
they gather diverse nonpartisan thought leaders and creatives to address some of the world's most complex problems. I guess my invite yeah. got lost in the mail. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm a diverse and creative thought leader. We're kind of our own Aspen Institute. I guess so. Give me a ring, Aspen Institute. I'm available. So they take on like the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Oh, I might not be good at that one. <laughs> in 2018, they decided to take on youth sports as one of the world's most complex problems. Oh, they should definitely bring us in as consultants. Because this whole thing, like what happened to it being fun and what happened to kids who want to play but aren't terrific and what happened to not spending $20,000 a year on sports. I hope they have some solutions because I feel like we've complained a lot in this episode. We need some solutions, Amy. Right. I mean, as always happens, it's like, here are the 18 problems. Like kids are having Tommy John surgery when they're nine. We know what the problems are. Right. Like it's too expensive. It's too awful. Wait, we get it. I'll put the links to it up on our show page at whatfreshhellpodcast.com. They looked into this and they started something called Project Play. And they, you know, looked at like, let's bring play back into this, that it's supposed to be not about excellence, but about participation, about team. And they said that we should ask kids what they want to do. That was one of their huge, like big thinkers of the world all get together. We should ask the kids what they want to play. Are they having fun? This means like, say like, hey, what do you want to play? What level do you want to play? I think they're thinking of like the 12-year-old who's like icing his shoulder, like, I'm not sure this is so fun anymore, but I can't quit now. Yeah. We did an episode a lot earlier on should we let kids quit? Should we let our kids quit? Right. It's very closely related. Really like interesting conversation because I think that's like it's confusing and it's hard to get right. And we talked about some of these issues and it is hard to know, like, wait, are they quitting because they don't want to do it and I'm pressuring them? Or are they quitting because they had like a bad day and they don't want to do it anymore? And if they push through it, they would see on the other side is like other kinds of happiness. Really hard call. In the case of my son playing travel baseball with the pitching coach and all that stuff, we weren't that into it anyway, right? We're going to double headers. I mean, in the most like awful locations by like JFK airport with like glass vials everywhere. And he was batting ninth. He was getting yelled at a lot. This is how the coach communicated. And it stunk for him and for us. And so that was sort of an easier decision. Right. That one seems like an easy call. To be fair, it was already clear he wasn't going to get a college scholarship and we weren't counting on that. You know what I mean? It wasn't like we weren't thinking you're not going to a four-year college unless you keep this up, son, which I think there's a lot of people, fairly or unfairly, in that position. Yeah. And then we had with my son, he was playing hockey. He didn't love it, but he enjoyed it. And then one game, he got hit really hard and it really threw him. And he kind of was very worried about it and talking about it a lot. And I was sort of like, well, you can't quit hockey over one hit, you know, but I don't know. Like it just became a source of great anxiety for him. And he really did stop enjoying it. And we let him quit. And I'm not sure if it was the right call, but I have a very low tolerance for like, angst. And like, I think I lean too far on the side of like, if this is making us unhappy, we don't do it. And I mean, I find with like homework and stuff, like when we have tears over homework, I'm like, we're not going to have tears over homework. Just stop doing it. Like I'd rather, I'll write a note that says like bad night, didn't do the homework. And 
I probably lean too far on the side of like, this is not worth this angst. But I mean, some of sports is angst. Like obviously it's the agony of defeat and the ecstasy of winning. And it's like every Nike commercial is like, you know, people in tears on the ground and then rising to win. Like that's obviously part of sports. But I just think long-term being miserable is not the point of this. There's another factor for girls when they drop out of sports. So we were saying before, like 70% of kids will quit a sport or all sports by the age of 13 because they've gotten too intense. But the Aspen Institute suggests they studied girls in particular, and they said that half of girls who quit a sport, you know, somewhere in that age, say that they did so because of low body confidence or fear of judgment. What does that mean? A girl starts to be really self-confident about how they look playing the sport. They're self-conscious in a way that boys, you know, luckily don't have to have like body shame in the same way that girls do sometimes. They've matured too early. They've matured too late. Do I look weird? You know, what people say about me, that's a factor for girls that unfortunately comes into play at that age. Right. Like, is it weird for a girl to play ice hockey? Is it, you know? Yeah. I guess you have to weigh all of these factors. I actually which is surprising considering this anti-sports screen that I've been on. I am pro keeping kids in sports. I just think, and we'll have to see how it turns out for us, but like, I don't mind like doing a year of sports, taking a year off, going back. Like, I don't mind not being the best on the team, trying different things. Like, lacrosse is kind of big in my town and I think my daughter might want to try it. And it's like, okay, so we'll skip soccer. We'll try that. Like, I am definitely costing her like college scholarship, maybe being able to play in high school, but like as long as we can kind of meander through youth sports, I'm totally fine with it. I think that that's another thing that the Aspen Institute suggested actually, that we should encourage kids to play and try multiple sports. And that's something that's, they're getting locked down a lot sooner, right? By eight years old, if you're really going to play high school baseball, you have to be doing this and it's, it's bonkers. And we should, to the extent that we can, challenge the system by letting our kids play multiple sports and try multiple things. Yeah. And I think also the way you talk about it is really important. Like I try really hard in our family to talk about food as like fuel, like, oh yeah, we want to go skateboarding later. We need to like fuel up with a good lunch and like healthy food gives us better fuel to do the things we want to do. Like food is not really about how you look and like what's good and bad. It's like, it's just fuel for our bodies and like what is good fuel for our bodies so that we can go do the things we want. And like, that's how I try to talk about sports as well. Like, hey, we have to be doing something all the time where we're moving our bodies through oxygen because that keeps us really healthy, you know? And we have to model that as well, unfortunately. So like, if I'm like laying and doing the, you know, scrolling through Twitter on my phone when they get home, it's like, No, we need to go out and run around for an hour after school. So like, if you want to do that in an organized way by going to the ninja gym, or if you want to do that in an organized way by taking an Irish step dancing class, you have to have your body in motion for an hour every day. Well, it's an interesting point because we're arguing that American kids, that we're getting really bonkers about sports, which we are, but obesity is also exploding. So something about the way we're doing it is not working if the goal is healthy kids. Maybe it's because it's this all or nothing system we've created, like your travel baseball or you sit on the couch. We need to find more middle ground for our kids and open up that middle lane. And I remember in the quitting episode, we talked about this like very famous study that's been cited a lot where like they talked about like how to talk to your kids about their performance in sports and that 
they surveyed all these people, all these athletes about what they liked hearing from their parents. And the phrase that, you know, was the top of the mountain was, I love watching you play. Like, that's what you should say to your kids. I go to basketball games. I go to futsal games. Have you heard of futsal? That's indoor soccer because my kid plays soccer year round. And I say that every game. I love watching you play and nothing else. It is really good advice because it's the one thing they can't be like, shut up. <laughs> right. I don't love watching you win. You tried hard. You did this. It could have gone better. This, that, and the other thing. Like, And I feel like that touchstone is also like, we love playing. Like as a family, we love, like when we're on vacation, we love renting bikes and going and exploring the town on bikes. Like we love being physical. Like it's part of like, we love when it snows, like getting the sleds out and going up and down the hill a hundred times and like building a giant fort. Like we love getting out in the woods and going on a hike together. Like we love when our cousins get together, organizing a baseball game in the yard and playing, you know, you found that like you love lacrosse and like being on the team at school, but it's about the love of like doing physical stuff as opposed to you have to make this team and you've got to see this coach to make. And listen, my kids, I mean, who knows when we get to college, we don't have a college fund, but like we're not dependent on a scholarship for my kids to get a higher education, which is a whole other issue we haven't talked on. Like, it's very easy for me to be like, sports, sports. Like some people need a sport to go to college. You know, there's other factors at play. You mentioned something that the Aspen Institute also hit on, which is free play. I told you they should hire me. You're a thinker. You're a thinker and a maker. My backyard, when I back in my day, my backyard was the neighborhood wiffle ball field and half-court basketball for all kids. Like, I still meet grown-ups who are like, hey, I was in your backyard every day. Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I still bump into people. Yeah. And that's how I grew up. So I, I'm decent at, like, playing horse and basketball. That's the one thing I can still, like, kind of keep up with my kids with. But there was wiffle ball in my backyard every day. Kids' rules, free play, that has been lost. And that was the good thing about sports. So that's another thing that this project play suggests is that we reintroduce free play into our kids' lives. Easier said than done. The reason it's easier said than done is because everybody else is at practice or the pitching coach or after school, but you can try. You can try. Yeah. And like when you're over, you know, our cousins are coming this weekend. It's like sport, you know, my kids are unsporty enough that like it might even like not be pick up basketball. It might be like here's foam lightsabers, like go out and have a lightsaber battle. Like, But whatever it is, it's outside and it's moving around and it's exercise in some fundamental way. Can I give you a quote to wrap on? You can. There's an exercise scientist out there named Dr. Amanda Visek. She studies exercise science. And so she asked 150 kids what they liked most about sports. There were 81 different things that kids said that they liked. And out of those 81 things, the 48th most mentioned was winning. So very interesting people. Yeah. So that is not important to them. And then she also asked them, like, when you don't like sports, when you quit sports, why? And the number one far and away answer was it wasn't fun anymore. Right. So I think what we're driving to is like, we have to help our kids have the point of view that sports is fun, that there are opportunities between being an elite athlete who's getting rotator cuff surgery at 11 and playing 
college sports, which is like, if you Google the statistics, the likelihood of that is infinitesimal that you're even going to play college level sports and helping to try to keep the like fun, physical exercising aspect of this at the forefront. Yeah. Keep their options open, right? Don't push back against a system that locks them down until you have to choose a sport and play it all year round by the time you're eight. First of all, they're more prone to injury, but they're also more prone to quitting. If the goal is to have active kids who enjoy doing these things, then we have to keep their options open, find places where everybody can play, where it's a little bit less intense, and you might have to do your homework a little bit, but I think the effort that you put in will be worthwhile. Right. It's like, keep your eyes off the prize Mm -hmm. in this case. (laughs) Like, don't think that, like, the prize is, like, college scholarship playing in the NFL. The prize is, like, having a kid who enjoys playing sports as they keep going. And you're right. Like that may not be easy to do as you go through the process, because you may find yourself like banging up against walls where it's like, Oh, my kid either has to like go on the travel team or quit this sport, but like, just, you know, try to keep finding the next best thing for your kid and the kind of sporty kid your kid is. And it might be a different sport and it might be a different sport. Right. My kids have tried I have one kid who found his sport early and that's all he wants to do. And I have another kid who dabbles and tries different things. And then I have another kid who doesn't play sports at all. And all of them are on the path that's right for them. All of them are surviving, Mm -hmm. amazingly, Mm -hmm. without high-level competitive sports. (laughs) All right. And I'm going to make my kids go to a little more sporting stuff because I'm feeling, now you've got me feeling guilty. Amy, I think in general, this is a tough one, but we've solved it. Yeah. It's a complicated one, but we've talked about what matters. We figured out what matters about youth sports and why they should be doing it. And that at least helps you set your course. Helps you frame it. So we want to know what's going on with sports in your houses. You can tell us on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast. And on Instagram at whatfreshhellcast and on Twitter at WFH podcast. And we'll put up the uh, studies and things we cited today on our show page at whatfreshhellpodcast.com. Lots of studies on this one, Amy. You're shining in all your glory. All right, guys. So with that, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? 
Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.